In any event, I'm Pastor Dan, if you don't know who I am. My sermon this morning is entitled, You're Invited, RSVP. My text is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. You'll notice in the bulletin, especially you visitors, that there's a printout with my text, which is the New King James. I'm not voting for the New King James so much as I'm voting that we all be on the same words. So if you have another translation, please use the insert so we can understand the words that we're using. You'll also find the sermon outline for your easy reference. I trust that God has his hand on this sermon. I trust that God's thoughts are the thoughts that will be shared. So let's look at Psalm 1914 as I generally do, and let's seek God's hand in this. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen? Amen. You know, the greatest story ever told is the story of how God left heaven and came to earth in the form of human flesh. How he lived a human life and he died a human death. And he was raised from the dead supernaturally that we might come and live in the hearts of those, that he might come and live in the hearts of those who would receive him. The greatest story ever told is about the greatest storyteller that ever lived. He told perhaps the greatest stories ever heard. We call them parables. And a parable is like a treasure chest. Inside each parable is a nugget of truth. And it takes a heavenly key to unlock these earthly stories to reveal the nugget of spiritual truth that is contained therein. The parable that we're going to consider this morning is a parable about fellowship. It pictures a God who invites everyone at every time from every place to come to his table of fellowship. He wants us to eat the bread of grace, drink the wine of joy, and enjoy his presence forever. It's an invitation that calls for an RSVP. Respondent Sevu play. Please, you respond. You know, there are certain invitations that deserve an immediate and an affirmative response. And today we're going to deal with that extremely important aspect of Christian life called fellowship. And specifically, I want to talk about God's invitation to fellowship. What is really God's invitation to an eternal relationship with him. So first in your outline, consider that everyone has received God's invitation to fellowship. We begin in our text with verse 16, which states, Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Now keep in mind that the host in the story is God the Father. The God who created you and holds your life in his hands has graciously and generously invited you to feast in fellowship. Now I think it's very interesting that the Lord Jesus compares salvation and fellowship with God to a feast. And when you look at some Christians, you would think that the Christian life was either a fast, a funeral, or a famine. But I have to give you some great news. When God invites you to salvation, he doesn't invite you to a funeral. He invites you to a feast. 
And I want to say this morning without apology, if there is anyone on this planet that ought to walk around with joy in his heart, a smile in his face, it ought to be a child of God. So when you come to Jesus Christ, you don't come to a fast or a funeral or a famine, you come to a feast. And what a feast it's going to be. There is the living bread that satisfies every man's hunger. There is the living water that can quench every man's thirst. There is the meat of the word of God which can save every man's soul. Notice what else, what else the invitation said. Verse 17. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Now there are two words I want you to notice in that invitation. The word all and the word ready. See, God has already cooked the meal. God has already prepared the table. God has already done all that is necessary for you and me to be saved and to enjoy his fellowship. All things are now ready. That's why there are to be no delays, no debate, no detours, no discussion. You are simply to accept this invitation. Engraved on every invitation that God gives are the letters RSVP. Now, in order to understand the parable, you need to know that in those days there were actually two invitations that were sent for a banquet. Far in advance of the banquet, an invitation would be sent out telling people the day of the banquet, but not the exact hour of the banquet. Now, a host would have to know how many guests were coming. He has to know how many animals to butcher, how many breads to bake, how many vegetables to cut. Then, just before the feast was to begin, the host would send out his servants to all of the guests who had previous notice of the invitation to tell them the banquet was ready and now was the time to come. And so verse 17 actually records the second invitation. The first invitation had already been given. The guests had already received notices to come, and now they were to just simply affirm that they would be there at the given time. You notice the invitation is with one word, come. The word come is for every person at every time, in every place. And I want you to understand something about God. He is in the equal opportunity business. God's invitation to enjoy his salvation and fellowship has been extended to everybody, everyone. Whosoever will, whosoever will may come. But as you're going to see, you must take advantage of the opportunity before it's too late. You know, there's nothing more tragic than an opportunity that comes your way and you miss it because you were too late. Well, after the funeral, it's too late. You have received God's invitation to fellowship and you had better take advantage of it while you can. So let's take the second point of the outline, that many will reject God's invitation to fellowship. Now, Jesus describes an amazing turn of events. The door is open. The host is waiting. Every piece of silverware in China is in its exact place. The centerpiece is exquisite. The bowls and the dishes are filled to overflowing with meats, vegetables, and fruits of all kinds. The servants are standing by, waiting to serve the arriving guests. But no one shows up. 
Incredibly, one by one, the people begin to make excuses why they can't come to this unbelievable banquet. And verse 18 says, But they all with one accord began to make excuses. Every one of these people had a different tune, but it was still the same song. The word excuse literally means to beg off, to ask to be left aside. But now you're going to see that every excuse was flimsy and faulty. Listen to the first excuse, verse 18. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. This man's problem was his wealth. He was a real estate business guy, and he had dollar signs for eyes and deposit boxes for hands. He was more interested in land than he was interested in the Lord. Now, anybody with any common sense knows that before you buy a piece of property, you better inspect it. Also, this property was not going to get up and walk away. It was already dark. It was too late to examine the property. Even if this man wanted to know the reason why this person did not come to the banquet is that he simply didn't want to. Then we see the next excuse, verse 19. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Now this man's problem was his work. This was a farmer who had purchased five yoke of oxen. Now, one man could work only one yoke of oxen. But this man purchased five. So this was not a small-time farmer. This was a big-time rancher. What he was saying was, business with me always comes first. I don't have time to fellowship with God. I'm too busy making a living. Now again, when you closely examine this man's excuse, it too did not hold up. Because who would ever buy such animals without testing them first? And then the last excuse was this one, verse 20. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Now this may be the best excuse of all. Here was a man who had just got married. His problem was his wife, or so he said. Now, you talk about one excuse that won't stand up. Who ever heard of a wife who did not like to be taken out to dinner to a fancy banquet? Most women would jump at the chance to get all dressed up to be taken to a formal dinner and to hobnob with the rich and famous and be wined and dined free of charge. In fact, many women are like the one I heard about who was in a house when a tornado hit. And the tornado took the roof right off the house. The husband and wife were in bed. And it lifted that bed entirely out of the bedroom and it spun it around and landed it almost a mile from the house. They were still in the bed, but they were all right. The husband was relieved, but the wife started to cry. The husband tried to comfort her, and he said, Honey, don't be afraid. The tornado has blown over, and we are all right. She said, I wasn't crying about that. I'm not crying because I'm afraid. I'm crying because I am so happy. Do you realize this is the first time we've been out of the house together in five years? 
I promised my granddaughter a joke. There it is. Now, what is the point that Jesus was trying to make? Why does he list these excuses? To remind us of this truth. There is no valid reason, no legitimate excuse to reject God's invitation to salvation and fellowship. You know, often when I try to lead someone to Christ, I present the Bible, the gospel, and I ask this question. Can you think of any reason that you could give God, that God would accept why you cannot receive the Lord Jesus Christ? I've never had anyone give me an excuse that would stand up to scrutiny. Now understand, there is nothing wrong with wealth. The Bible even says, it is the Lord your God that gives you the power to get wealth. There is nothing wrong with work. God himself said, six days you shall work. There's nothing wrong with a wife. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But whenever wealth or work or even your spouse comes between you and Jesus Christ, those things are wrong. But unfortunately, the truth is, many will reject God's invitation to fellowship. Third of your outline, notice that some will respond to God's invitation to fellowship. And I want you to see how the invitation was repeated because the host will not give up. Verse 21 states, So that the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Now this host was very angry. And he had the right to be. In those days, in the Middle East, to turn down an invitation was a serious thing. In fact, a rejected invitation could even lead to war. How much more does our wonderful Heavenly Father have the right to be angry when proud, sinful people refuse His gracious offer of salvation and fellowship? But thank God that He doesn't take the no of many for the no of all. Because we also learn from this parable that there are those who will say yes if they're given the opportunity. There are those who will respond to the invitation if they could just hear it. Now why was the servant told to bring the, in the poor and, and the maim and the lame and the blind? Jesus was talking about those who are physically deprived. But I believe he was talking even more of those who are spiritually deprived. We are to bring in the spiritually poor, those who have never experienced the unsearchable riches of Christ. We are to bring in the spiritually maimed and the lame that have been crippled by the fall of Adam. We are to bring in the spiritually blind, those who are living in spiritual darkness. Another thing to notice about these people is they offered no excuses. They had no excuses. The poor could not buy oxen. A blind person could not examine land. The poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind usually were not given in marriage because nobody would have them. These were the people who would be happy to come and dine at the master's banquet. But notice carefully, it is the servant who extends this invitation, and he does so at the command of the master. Verse 22 states, And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. 
Now, who is the servant in this parable? It is you and I, those who have been saved and are in the family of God. We must know Jesus Christ. We have a command to go into the highways and the hedges and to bring everyone who is available and everyone who is interested to the banquet table of fellowship that is prepared by our Heavenly Father. Notice not only who is to go, notice where we are to go. Verse 23, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Well, now the highways represent the cities and the hedges represent the country. So whether it is the yuppie living in the city or the farmer that lives in the country, we are to be extending God's gracious invitation to his fellowship feast. And that's what I love about this invitation. It's, it is up for the up and the out. It is to the down and out. And it is to the all and out. But listen, there is a family fellowship, a feast prepared for those who become a part of the family of God. There is a future fellowship. It is called the marriage supper of the Lamb, where every one of you can have your own table with your name on the table engraved in gold, and you can have a place at the banquet. But it is a faith fellowship. It is an invitation that is given by grace and received by faith. Have you ever wondered what Jesus is doing in heaven right now? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's preparing a dwelling place And he's preparing a meal. He's preparing one for you to live in and the other for you to eat in. Now listen. How do we accept and secure an invitation and a guarantee a place at the banquet? By believing Jesus is the Son of God. By believing that he died on the cross to rescue us from sin and death and to restore us to the Father. Choose now to turn away from your sin, your self-centeredness, and every part of your life that is not pleasing to him. Choose him. Give yourself to him. Receive his invitation. Accept his forgiveness. Allow him to take his rightful place in your life with his love and with his life. Let him reign in your heart. Let him fill your life with his love and with his life and allow him to change you into his own image. Amen. I'm going to ask the praise team to take the platform one more time so we can have a departing song. And again, please stand if you are able. That's a shout of joy back there.